This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And welcome back again. It's part one of our two-part series on foster care. Part two of the series will air next week at the same time. For more information on foster care, reach out to us on social media, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Like, follow, and share there. Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear on air. My next guest is Peter Mutabazi. He is the author of the book, Now I Am Known, How a Street Kid Turned Foster Dad Found Acceptance and True Worth. It's our pleasure to welcome Peter to the show this morning. Good morning, Peter. How are you? I am doing well. How about you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for taking time to share your story with our listeners. So let's start at the beginning for you. And I understand that you have a very unique story. You grew up in Uganda and you were in an abusive home. Is that right? You know, grew up in a home where life was miserable in every shape form you could imagine. You know, grew up in a place where no one ever told me to dream. You know, grew up in a place where, like, you survived for the day, but you never wanted to see the next day because today was hard enough that I didn't want to see the next day. And poverty wasn't just us, but poverty was everyone around us. So for me, uh, there wasn't a glimpse of hope or someone that would kind of, you know, like sometimes we, we, we excel or we do uh, better when we know I like to be like somebody. But if everyone is around is poor, it's kind of hard to dream in some way, you know. And, and then at the age of four, I began to realize that not only were poor, but my dad was the most abusive father you could think of. So for me, I had poverty outside that protected my life, but then I had my own dad in my home. So for me, you know, glimpses of hope were really rare. You know, but not only did I get the abuse, but my mother as well and my siblings as well. So it, it, what came towards me came towards everyone who was in my home. And that was hard to watch, you know even having my own mom that I love so much that I could not protect her. You know, so that was my childhood from the age of zero to the age of 10. Okay. After running away and surviving on your own, what is it that turned your life around for you, Peter? So, you know, so at the age of 10, you know, I I thought, look, you know, my father is going to take my own life, so I'd rather die in the hands of a stranger. You know, I had never been 20 miles away, and I ran away, and I ended up in, in, in Kampala, in the capital city. I, you know, I survived. I, you know, I became a street kid for four and a half years. Uh, after being on the streets for four years, I met a stranger who I was trying to steal from, uh, mm-hmm. but he was kind to me and gave me something to eat. And, you know, and he fed me for one year and a half. And, and one day he said, Peter, if you have an opportunity to go to school, would you like to go to school? And I was like, well, no. I was told I would never mount anything. I was told I was garbage. I was told... That was hopeless. On the streets, I was abused left and right. So school isn't for me. Like school is for people who are normal. I, I am not normal. You know, but he insisted. He said, hey, if you go to school, I'll, you know, there'll be food and dinner. I think that's all I had. Food? Sure, I'll go for food, you know. But little did I know that going for food really helped me begin really dreaming big, seeing the best in me that I didn't see in myself. But also, you know, the kindness of this stranger that he did not know me, but yet was willing to take me to school, was willing to see the best in me that I could not see, and later on introduced me to his family and became my family. So literally, the kindness of one stranger is is all it took to change my entire life. Okay, so help me. Let's walk this back, because one thing that really stuck out to me, at the age of 10, what is in your 10-year-old mind that gives you the courage or the ideal to leave your home the way that you did? Because I, it, something that a lot of people at, at the age of 10, mine cannot fathom. 
Well, I think, you know, so my, so basically my dad asked me to go buy cigarettes and it was three in the morning after beating me. So it was raining outside. So I, you know, the cigarettes, as you know, did not make it. So I thought he's going to kill me, you know? So instead of going back home, I was like, you know what? I'm going to die. That's all I, I think I was looking for more to end my life than running away. It was more, I'd rather go die in the hands of someone, you know, someone else. Okay, I got it. And so I walked away, and then I went to the bus station. And I think along the way as I walked, I don't think I knew where I was going until I saw the buses. I was like, hey, of these buses, which goes the farthest, you know. So I got on that bus, but it's not really that I was looking for for hope. It was more of uh, if life should end, it should not end in my father's hands. All right. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine this morning. We're talking about foster care. On the phone with me is Mr. Peter Mutabaze. The title of the book is Now I Am Known. We'll talk about the book in a second here. So tell us about how you got from Uganda to America. How did you get to America? Well, absolutely. So once I go to school, I figured I was smart. So then I finished high school, and then I went to university in Uganda, and then I got a scholarship to go study in England. So, you know, then in England, then I went back to Uganda, and as I was serving, you know, refugees, and I got a scholarship to come to the United States, you know. So really, you know, it's amazing how it all began, you know, the kindness of one, how it helped me uh, really see the best in me and do well in school and how it took me, you know, beyond my dreamest dream. I mean, I thought I would survive one day. Little did I know I would go to school in England. And that's how I really came to the United States. And once you arrived in the United States, you became a foster parent yourself, an adoptive parent yourself. The son that you adopted, um, he was adopted at the age of two. or He went into the foster care at the age of two in the system at two adopted and at the age of 11 his adoptive parents abandoned him is that right how did you guys meet and tell me a little bit about his story yes about you know it all began for me when i came to united states like i think i struggled of to see how much food was thrown away and in my head i just couldn't understand how other human beings can die for the lack of beans and others can have so much, you know? And then, you know, as I thought about that, I thought to myself, like, wait a minute, I have been blessed. I, I was a kid who had nowhere to go. I was a kid who had no dream. Now I can dream. I'm in the most, the coolest country on the planet. And I think I felt like I wanted to do something for others. So that's what I had about Foscay. And I was like, you know what? These kids, I know them better because I was unwanted, unloved, and really uh, had all the, the traumas you could think of. So I thought if there's anything I can do, at least, you know, uh, I'll be understood in the false care, you know, and that's when I walked in. I didn't know I'll be a false parent because I had traveled over the world and I had never seen a black person who was either adapting in my country or adapting in Ethiopia or in China. They were always white and and they were Caucasian and they were married. So I was like, I'm single, I'm black, there's no way. So when I went in the foster care system, it was more like, hey, can you allow me to be a mentor? Until a social worker said, hey, have you ever thought of being a foster? And I was like, really? I can't? And right away I signed up and I was licensed, you know, four months later. So, yeah, so when I received Anthony, you know, I had, you know, he came only for respite, for, you know, for you who are listening, we're in the foster care, you know, respite is, you know, they give you a kid for a weekend as they find out where they, they're going to put him 
or you know they come to you because the the first friends are traveling so you're just sitting in and that's how he came to me you know at the hospital they say he's at the hospital and they need a weekend so they can figure out his life later so he walks in at three in the morning he's like hey you know, I'm like, my name is Peter Mutabazi, but you can just call me Mr. Peter. And he looked at me and said, can I call you my dad? I was like, wait, what? No, no, no. <laughs> wow. You're leaving on Monday. No. And that's really how I got to know his story the following day. And I was like, you know what? He already knows I am his dad. And I think, uh, you know, this was meant to be and, and God wants us to be a family. And I asked the social worker, like, just give me his paperwork so he can go to school tomorrow. Really, that's how he became my son. Okay. Wow. Look at that. Um, to date, how many children have you fostered? Because you, you're a foster parent and you've fostered several children now. Is that right? Yeah. So I have fostered 28. So right now I have five. You have five. And so are you planning to adopt more in your home or not? Oh, yes, absolutely. And that's why I wrote this book, because I think I, I want to adopt more children. I want to foster more children, but also I want to be an advocate for kids. You know, I live in Charlotte in Macabon County. I mean, there's 850 kids that are looking for a home, but there's only 81 foster parents. So you can imagine the need is so great that if I can impact one child, I would love to. Uh, and that's really my desire. And that's my uh forever calling to truly be a foster dad and adopt more kids. Okay. So for your son, your son, Anthony, you waited um, some time to adopt your son. What was it like and what will you always remember about that life-changing day when you were able to adopt your son, Anthony, your first son? Well, you know, yes. So he's, he's you know, when the, his parents abandoned him, they went to the county and signed off the parental rights. So from the get-go, I knew I can adopt him. I knew he was available. So it didn't take long, you know. So we, we you know, I forced him for, for six months. That's the law, you know, for six months. And then we figure out how. And that was really a joy. And I think for me, waiting, waiting to know that I don't have to call you know, DSS for permission to travel anywhere. Not have to report, like, we didn't have to deal with anyone else. We can truly be found. Like, that was the greatest, greatest feeling, I can say. You know, I've always wanted to be a dad. And here I was being a dad uh, to Anthony. And, and, and truly, to this day, I, I, I still have the, the, the goosebumps that he could allow me to be his dad. And again, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. All morning long, we're talking about foster care. For more information on foster care, more information on the show, more information on our guests, you can like us on social media, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Like, follow, and share there, Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear on air. This morning, we're speaking to Mr. Peter Mutabazi. Now, let's touch on this. I think this is important. Let's talk about interracial adoption because that's part of your story. Let's talk about the reaction and what you hear from people. You know, well, for me, when I came in the false case system, I didn't, I didn't realize that, hey, it affects every gender, every race. So when I got my first blondest kid, I was like, oh, wait a minute, what is he doing here? <laughs> but little did I know that, oh, man, it affects everyone. And then in that way, I learned to embrace every child. You know, yes, like right now, my, my five kids are white. You know, Anthony is, and it's really been a joy in some way to really show family. Like, we're not family by blood, but we are family, you know? Then the other, the negative part, I think, you know, some, you know, we've had eight times people call on the police, like, hey, there's a black dad with kids, and we're not sure it's okay. And I think for me, changing the narrative, you know, that the black dads can be good dads, but also family, it's not, it's, it's, it's not by blood, as I said but by love and caring for one another. You know, and I've made sure that, 
you know, the negative doesn't take away, you know, the joy we have or even focus on that to truly learn to, one, change the narrative, uh, break the cycle as well, but educate as well. And it's truly been a joy and, and I love it. And like most of me, I think I wanted to show empathy, you know. It's easy not to show empathy to someone who doesn't look like you. And I think for me being a dad to kids who don't look like me, I wanted to show that if I can love them that way, then maybe you can also have empathy to someone who doesn't look like you or towards me as well. And so it's been, it's been a learning, but a joy as well. All right. So, Peter, let's talk about the new book. The title of the book is Now I Am Known. Um, tell us about the significance behind that title, if you will. The reason is, is, you know, I was a uh, I was a garbage boy who, you know, I lived in the streets for four and a half years, and no one ever asked me what my name was until that stranger came in and said, "What's your name?" And in some way, wanting to know my name, he got to know my needs. He got to remind me of who I was, and in some way, he made me seen, heard, and known. And that's what I want to do for others, especially kids uh, from hard places or anyone who's gone through. Uh, domestic abuse or anything that sometimes we feel we are not seen that I wanted to really share that that we can all be seen hard and be known that's what he did for me the other part why I wrote the book was to encourage everyone you know we've all gone through difficult time or traumatic situations but rather than see as a negative but use it as a positive you know that's what I did for me I didn't want my past to define my future or in, interact or destroy my future, but I wanted to learn from my past to use it so I can save lives of others and myself as well. So rather than negative, but embrace where I come from, embrace what I went through, and then use it as a foundation to help others and to make others known. So that's why I called it Now I'm Known, you know, to make others who are seem not seen, seem not hard. Uh, to make them known as well. And that's my mission. And that's why I'm a foster parent. And that's why I wrote that book. So let's take a step back. How did the idea for the book, how did that come about? Did someone reach out to you? Was it something that you wanted to do yourself? What prompted the book? You know, I have worked in, you know, for World Vision Compassion International. And my job was always to speak and people say, please write a book so I can know more details about you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was approached about, you know, nine years ago to write a book. You know, I tried it. I didn't feel like it was the right time. Uh, and, and I walked away. And once I became a dad, I think once adapting Anthony, I wanted him to know my journey. You know, he, he knows me as a cool dad, a dad he loves. But I wanted him to know, like, hey, your dad has a past, but he overcame uh, the odds that you can do the same, you know? And that was the, you know, and, and the full circle too. Like I feel, you know, this stranger took me in and then he healed me. And now I'm able to heal others. And that's the dad is what I wanted to show in some way. I felt it was the right time because the circle was kind of complete in a way. Okay. Now, Peter, you talked about this earlier, but you decided to be a foster and adoptive dad as a single man what challenges did that present, and what advice would you give to other single men interested in becoming a foster parent or an adoptive parent? Well, yes, absolutely. I think the society have kind of really created these borderline, you know, boundaries that that are just there but are not true. You know, I think even growing, you know, in Gap, I was told you get married and you get kids. I was like, wait a minute, you know. But while I'm waiting, I can be a dad to someone. But also, I come from a culture, I think, sometimes where men, we are not, we, you know, we haven't told or we, we, we haven't put in a position to learn how to be tender 
and be parents. You know, so for me, I really, you know, this stranger really told me what a father ought to be. And I wanted to, to use that to really be a, a dad. And I've always wanted to be a dad in some way. I was fearful that I would turn into my own father, you know. But again, I learned that, that was my dad. Uh, and, and, and that's really helped me to, to be the best that I can be. But I wanted to show him an example as well. You know, the challenge is, yes, there's few men. You know, I've fostered 20, you know, 28 kids, but I've never had one kid come and say, hey, I wish we had a mom, you know. Mm-hmm. Really, to every man listening is most kids really want a dad because they never had a dad, you know. Uh, and I think we can come alongside and, and set example, but also journal with them. Even those who have a mom and dad at home, they spend more time with mom. You know, they don't really get to see dad. So there's a yearning of, I wish I had a dad who can be there. And I think we can be, you know. As I said, you know, my kids have never longed for mom, you know. But they truly, truly loved to have a dad who they never had. And it's been wonderful. But I think we all, you know, it's a responsibility that for all, all of us. Like we all have a responsibility into our kids. You know, even men that are listening out there, if you know you've fathered seven children and you have no clue where they are, I think it'd be really nice to take that responsibility and say, I just want to go find who my kids are, you know. Our kids are not looking for the best shoes. They're not looking for the best whatever. They're just looking for someone when things are tough to say, son, it's going to be okay. Son, I'm here to listen, you know. And I think that's that's the role for all parents, including us men, to truly step up and be dads. Okay. Now, Peter, you talked um, many times this morning about the stranger that was able to help you to turn your life around. Um, have you been able to reach out to that stranger? Do you keep in contact with that stranger? Do they know the what they inspired in the man that you have now become? Right. Yes, absolutely. So once they put me in a boarding school, then they became my family. Okay. So, I mean, most people think that he's my dad, you know, uh, uh, because they really loved him in every way. They didn't just ship me somewhere, but they really brought me and gave me a family. And I needed that. I needed a family to learn what do fathers do? I needed to learn how do they act with their kids. And I think by them bringing me to their home really taught me and helped me understand how you know a good father is. Uh, and, and so, yes, they, they've been wonderful. I get to see them three, you know, three or four times a year uh, when they come to the United States. So, yeah, so they, they've truly been family. And again, in case you're just tuning in all morning long, we're talking about foster care. For more information on foster care, reach out to us on social media. Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Rodney Lear on air. On the phone with me now is Peter Mutabazi. The title of the book is Now I Am Known. Now, you have two dogs. As you see it, how have these dogs been therapeutic for you and the children that you foster and have adopted? Oh, boy. Oh, come. So I come from a culture where we don't have pets. You know, most people are struggling to feed, to feed their kids. No one has pets in some way. We do have them, but they are for security reasons, you know, so they can protect us. So coming to United States, that was the thing that I was like, I would never have a pet, especially a dog or anything, you know. But I think as I, I especially with Anthony, I noticed like everywhere we went, he would really cuddle with the dogs. Like he felt and, and loved them. I was like, wait a minute, maybe we should get a dog so it can really help them. You know, little did I know. So we got Simba. And, oh, boy, I feel like I need them more than they do. You know, they've just been really helpful. They understand my kids. They are there, you know, when they're not feeling okay. They walk with them. They're in the bedroom with them. They're cuddling with them. 
they truly, truly love my kids unconditionally. And I've seen how they have really, in some way, helped through their traumatic, you know, situations. You know, we have situations where it will take an hour, but because the dog, it takes about 10 minutes because he's about to soothe them, you know, mm. and make sure that they are safe and okay. And I, I cannot tell you. Uh, like, even now, today, I'm with them right now with me. I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, how, how, why did I wait for so long to have dogs, you know? <laughs> uh, but little did I know that they're the best companion, the best friends, and, and they've been good to me as well as good to my kids as well. All right. Well, we're out of time this morning. If our listeners would like to find out more about you, Peter, if they would like to find out more about the book. Again, the title of the book is Peter. Now I'm known. And you can find it on any bookstores uh, on my website as well. You can go to nowamknown.com and find it. Or you can follow me on Foster Dad Flipper on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube as well. All right. Thank you so much, Peter. Thanks for all that you're doing. Thank you. You have a great day. You as well. Thank you. We've been speaking to author Peter Mutabazi. The title of the book is Now I Am Known, How a Street Kid Turned Foster Dad Found Acceptance and True Worth. Again, it's part one of our two-part series on foster care. You can listen to part two of the series next week at this time. Well, that's it for this edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. Until next week, be encouraged. Coming up next week on Sunday Morning Magazine. It's part two of our two-part series on foster care. We talk to local youth who grew up in the foster care system, their personal account of what it's like to be placed in multiple foster homes, their journey to be emancipated from the system, their emotional stories of survival. Then we introduce you to a local program advocating for young people who have aged out of the foster care system. Plus, find out how you can step up and help children currently in foster care. That's coming up next week, part two of our two-part series on foster care. You're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear.